and welcome to the Underpaid Gamers Podcast. My name is Tony. I am with my friend and colleague, Justin. Hello! I almost said I am my friend and colleague, Justin. You are not me. I am two voices <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, today we have some news for you. Back old, old regular style where we talk about news and stuff and then have topics. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the movie It. We're going to be talking about Destiny 2 some more. Uh, the Pokemon Company. Justin. Niantic. Nian- no. No. What? The actual Pokemon Company. Oh, Nintendo? Just, no. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Justin uh, has refused to let Overwatch die, so we have some Overwatch news as well. I do. Um, so let's get right into it. The Underpaid Gamers Podcast is the official podcast of underpaidgamers.com. We are on YouTube SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the internet. Twitch. Twitch. We are all over the place. Google Play Music. Yes. Email us at underpaidgamerspodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. It's really easy. It's really easy to remember. It's really long. Very easy. There it is. So. Today, news? Yeah? let's, let's Let's just hop right into the news. Let's just get this Overwatch business out of the way. All right, so everyone's Overwatch. tired of hearing about Overwatch, dude. Not everyone. Justin. Not everyone feels like you, Tony. Everyone. Some does people feel still like, like Overwatch. All right, uh, so Overwatch is having a free-to-play weekend from September twenty-second to the twenty-sixth. Um, it is free to play. You can download it on PlayStation Four, Xbox One, or PC to try. And whatever progress you make, if you do buy the game, it will carry over to the game. So. Uh, maybe you're one of those people who has said, oh, I, I think Overwatch looks cool, except for I'm not about to drop that much money on a player versus player game only. It is worth it. You could try it and see. And have a bigger, uh, have a, more evidence or more, um, I don't know, experience to make that judgment off of whether or not it's actually worth that 60 bucks. To me, I got, uh, I got, I don't know, 50 hours out of it. Uh, maybe 60. Don't so, do it. To me, it. it was worth it. No. Um, but Tony, I know, got way more hours than I did of enjoyment, and he really enjoyed it. Wow, he played it. Though now he's over it, so. I'm over it. Overwatch. Overwatch. Um, I have. It's nice that there's a free weekend, because I've been thinking, like, I kind of want to see what this is like on PC, because I'm so bad at PC. I'm like, how bad am I really yeah, at PC? Yeah. <laughs> whereas, like, I can compare that directly to how I am on PS4, yeah. whereas, like, PUBG... There's no comparison. It's only on PC. That's true. But I know how good I am on PS4. I want to know how awful I am on PC. Yeah. Did you hear that PUBG added uh, Fog? Fog yeah, War? I saw, I saw that. I watched some Twitch streaming and Does it they weren't a, the, the Twitch streamer I was watching was not a fan. Why? What did you do? I don't know. Blocked the eyesight. <laughs> is it... Is the fog like all over the map or is it just where the gas is? Uh, I think it was, there were some, like, everywhere. Not just where the, not just where the blue field okay. was. But it's not all, every time. No, it's like. Every once it, in a while it rains, It's too. like weather. Yeah. Whatever. So that's what you want to talk about with Overwatch? I mean, that's really it. I just want to inform people, if you've been thinking about buying it and you want to try it first, check it out from the 22nd to the 26th of September, 2017. Good. So when our. Listeners from like a yeah, <laughs> you brought it up this time. Okay, it was not me. 
some sm- interesting, I find, Smash news, and maybe interesting to other people as well. Uh, there is a, a, a thing called the Smash Committee. It's normally like a committee of 25 people. Well, this is the first time it's been around. They started this because there's so many different mods and things that happen with Smash now because Smash is so old, people have to modify it to make it playable yeah. um, for streaming and tournaments as, because that's what they do and because there's yeah. so few discs and GameCubes out there, they need to find a way to keep playing it even though those resources are depleting. Yeah, yeah. They have now made a committee... Or they're in the process of making a committee where it's like 25 of the most influential people um, in the Smash community. So top players, commentators, tournament hosts, tournament organizers, yeah. uh, people that are sponsored, um, maybe even some sponsors in there as well. Probably. Um, 25 people. And Armada, who is the number one ranked player in the world, mm-hmm. uh, we have talked about before, yeah. from Sweden. I mean, this is an international committee. Yeah. Uh, they use this committee to make sure that everything is uh, fair and square for every game. In every tournament. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the universal controller fix and how that was an issue. They had to replay a match. Sure. Um, some tournaments have different rule sets than other tournaments. They just want to make it so it's throughout everything. It's standardized. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, they vote on things too, like if wobbling should be banned or not. Yeah. I'm at tournaments. Um, so that's the whole point of the committee. And Armada was on the committee as well as a whole bunch of other people. And there, there's a vocal minority of female Smash players... That have been in Smash ever for, for the longest time. There's sure. uh, a lot of time. There's a, a secondary tournament or a, a almost like a sister tournament, I guess, to big Smash tournaments where it's only women that are allowed to participate. Okay. Um, I don't know a lot of these players because when I watch Smash tournaments, I normally just watch like the top eight and doubles teams and sure. stuff like that. And a lot that's all male dominated. You don't see a lot of uh, ladies in there. A lot of girls in there. That's true. Um, but this side tournament is called the Smash Sisters. It's, it's a female-only tournament, from what I believe. And that yeah. way, from what I understand, the purpose of that is just to be inclusive to women because women aren't always in, allowed to enjoy video games the same way men are okay. because they get harassed. Um, so this one's more just like, okay, girls, just come over here and we can play Smash. And if we're worse than other people, at least we're all kind of like in the same skill bracket type of thing. Okay. Um, and you don't have to worry about being harassed. Or, I mean, can... I mean, girls can sign up for yeah, like yeah. the big tournament, yes, right? Yeah, definitely. But there's also like this female-only tournament. Um, it's called the Smash Sisters. And on the committee, uh, the committee drew a little bit of flack because there weren't any female participants in the committee of the 25 people. Okay. Um, which I think is important. It's important to see women and men think differently about different things. Um, so they could definitely bring a different aspect, just like anybody else could, to this committee, which... It's supposed to be this big, large thing. Yeah. Um, Armada saw this, number one player in the world, and he actually resigned his position from the Smash committee. To make it open for... To make it open for, like, a a woman to be in there. Nice. And I think that's really honorable for him. He was getting a little bit of flack where people were like, you're the best player in the world. You shouldn't have to resign your position so a woman can be there. Somebody else should resign so you can be in there and a woman. And Armada, it was just like... (laughs) <laughs> nah, bro. No, nah, he was like, you got to be the change you want to see in the world type of thing. Nice. So he was like, I'm not doing this because I'm the best player in the world. Like, I'm just doing this because I strongly believe that there should be some, a woman in this position. And if I have to resign so somebody else can be there, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, so when I first saw this, I'm like, that's kind of weird because Armada is like very influential and he obviously knows the game really well and knows how things work. But yeah. if he's so stalwart about his position. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So that's a cool little thing. 
It's a pretty big thing. It seems to be in the Smash world. I've never heard of that. I had no idea that happened. The committee? Yeah, the committee thing. It's still new. It's still kind of... They're still working out all the kinks and stuff, but... Yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see. Cool. Let's talk about some movies. Uh, what what movie specifically would you like to talk about? Uh, well, quick news. The, the Venom Solo movie yeah. that Sony is making, sure. despite... Marvel making incredible Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Um, has their production has been delayed mm-hmm. because obviously like nobody wants this movie to come out. Even <laughs> Basically. Though Tom, Tom Hardy is like the lead in it, but the production, has that been is delayed. a good choice. So that's, I mean, did we not think that was going to happen? I'm, I'll be surprised if the movie comes out. Yeah. But I did see that. Um, some Star Wars news. You want to, uh, yeah, so I've kind of got two things. Two. Uh, for Star Wars news, kind of updates. Has been a while since I've really gotten into Star Wars news with our listeners. I don't I, I feel like last year I just like hawked over everything that happened in Star Wars. And like this year, I've just been so busy. I just like have not been doing it. So I'm trying to make up for that just a little bit. Um, one thing. J.J. Abrams has been announced to be the director for Star Wars Episode Nine, so the end of the new trilogy. Do you remember who the original director was? Uh, not off the top of my head. It was changed to J.J. Abrams. He was, there was a director, yes. and he got outed. Yeah. Got the axe. Yeah, and I think... The lightsaber axe. And I, I don't know if this is a reaction to Ryan Johnson's Episode Eight. Or if this is a reaction to the Han Solo fiasco that's been Going kind on. of in the drama of the Star Wars universe. Um, I wonder if that's why this is happening. Um, but either way, I know J.J. Abrams himself is like controversial with some fans. They, thought, I've seen a lot of flack for the, or the, um, the Force Awakens being basically episode four. A lot of people hate that. I honestly didn't care because I thought it was cool and I thought the movie was more about Luke finding Luke than it was about how much of, of those how stuff. much but, does he have say in it? Uh, he has a lot. He's in the create so there's like a creative council um, that kind of leads the Star Wars universe. It was um, Colin Trevorrow. He was the original director. Yeah, Colin Trevorrow. Um, so him and Kathleen Kennedy and a few others are on like the steering committee for Star Wars. Um, Kathy Kennedy just mentioned? Yeah. There's a quote here. Uh, She says, With The Force Awakens, J.J. delivered everything we could have possibly hoped for, and I'm so excited that he is coming back to close out this trilogy, says Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. So it sounds like they're real happy with episode nine, or episode seven. Yeah. I mean, from their perspective, they they liked it. I think the main critique has been, since the movie came out, that it's too much like episode four. But to me, I don't care. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Trevorrow and Disney could not see eye to eye in regards to the script of the last installment of the latest Star Wars trilogy, sources say, and decided to part ways before getting further along in pre-production. The plan was to begin production by February 2018, but even if Abrams agreed to come back as director, meeting that start point still seems like a challenge. So, some creative differences, it seems like. But, I guess that will happen. Yeah, and I think Star Wars 2 being like such a money maker for Disney, that they're going to have a big hand in that. I mean, they trust Kathleen Kennedy uh, to do all of that. And so I think, I think to me, if you're a director and you're trying to do Star Wars, you're 
voluntarily get putting yourself under some pretty huge controls um kind of from lucasfilm slash disney so you can't go in there and just do whatever you want and they're going to control it because they want the product to be what they want it to be colin trevorrow was a director for jurassic world uh-huh. 2015 um he is mostly a writer though uh he wrote for jurassic world again uh da, 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 da. there's really nothing else i recognize um so he has like one big thing and I don't even know if Jurassic World is really that good. I don't think it was. I know it like made a lot of money. Yeah. Because people are like, Yeah, this is so awesome, it came out twenty years ago, now I gotta watch it again. I mean I liked the movie, but I didn't think it was like above and beyond spectacular. I like Chris Pratt and I like dinosaurs running around. But beyond that, it was basically just Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, I don't even know if it was and the, as good as the Jurassic end. Park. Was, the end was a little bit cheesy to yeah. me. <laughs> it was a little bit too much. Jurassic Park is a classic. I don't think Jurassic World will be a classic. Yeah, Jurassic Park was the epitome of animatronic and CGI. Yeah, it was like this brand new thing. Yeah, it was, uh, and it fresh. was done incredibly well. Yeah, I mean it still holds up. I think. And you got to see dinosaurs eat people. That was the first time. Oh yeah. Now they're just kind of. I was so scared to use the bathroom after <laughs> I, I got, got killed on taking a poop. <laughs> no, yeah. he was just hiding in there. Oh, I, in my mind, he was taking a poop when I was a kid. And so every time I pooped, I was like, ah, Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> you know how fears get when you're like five years old, ten years old, six years old. However old I was when I saw it. 24. I was in elementary <laughs> school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, other Star Wars news. Uh, Han Solo movie um, is reportedly going to be showing two planets specifically um, in detail. Uh, Corellia, which is if you have paid attention to Star Wars beyond the movies at all, you've probably heard of Corellia. You may have heard of the Corellian Corvette, which is the I have first heard of that ship in Star Wars that you see as it comes flying away from the Star Destroyer. That's a Corellian Corvette, aka a blockade runner. In Episode Four. In Episode Four, so the original that first ship. That's them. Uh, the Han Solo's ship, the Millennium Falcon, is a Corellian type, I think B freighter or something. Um, or YTB. Somebody's going to destroy me on this right now. But Smuggler ship. <laughs> essentially, it's Corellian ship. So Corellia is like a really important uh, system or star system slash uh, planet for the Star Wars universe. It's in like the big politics. It is a shipyard. That's a famous shipyard that builds lots of different ships. Uh, and so, and it's also where Han Solo is from, at least according to the old uh, canon. Um, so Corellia is in Really important. And then secondly, the thing that Han Solo is most known for is what? Do you know what Han Solo is most known for? He's like, his famous claim to fame before he joins the Rebellion. Getting with the princess? No, that's after he joins the Rebellion. Um, he does something and everyone's like... Oh, he found the head of that thing in the movie in the in the woods in South America and he ran away from the boulder. No! That's he found Jones. the lost Ark of the Covenant. No! Um, oh my gosh. He did the Kessel Run oh. in under 12 parsecs. So the, the second planet that's going to be in detail is Kessel, which uh, in the expanded universe, the old legends, Kessel was like a mining planet uh, that's surrounded by what's called the Maw, which is a. The Maw. Um, it's like a grouping of black holes that basically you have to go around. And he did. He ran to Kessel in under 12 parsecs, which is a measure of distance. And what he did was he made it through 
the maw, which is the different groupings of the black holes, which smugglers would try to do to, to stay away from the Imperial blockades because of all that. So that was real deep what I did there. And I don't right. know if you guys care about so, that much detail, but that anybody else that's still awake. Anyone else who's still here, uh, Kessel and Corellia. Yep. Uh, that's the Star Wars news. The Pokemon Company. Niantic. No. Nintendo. No. The, the Pokemon, Pokemon Company. Company is its own separate entity. And the CEO had gone on record and said he had very little faith in the Switch. Um, and he thought it was going to be a failure. Uh, then This is from Kotaku. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo Switch is a hit, especially in Japan, but before the hardware was released, the Pokemon Company CEO, Ishihara, told Nintendo it wasn't going to be successful. Even speaking with Bloomberg, Ishihara recalled that he initially thought about the Switch. I told Nintendo that Switch wouldn't be a success before it went on sale, because I thought that in an age of the smartphone, no one would carry out a game console. Uh, it's obviously, it's obvious I was wrong. Uh... For him, Switch's success has been blah, 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 a learning experience. I came to realize the key to a successful game is quite simple. Software with absolutely quality... Wait. Software with absolute quality leads sales of hardware, he continued. Uh, playing style can be flexible if blah, 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 blah. Essentially, he said, I don't believe in this thing because why on earth would somebody carry this huge mobile, mobile console? console? Right when you've um, got a phone in your yeah. pocket that you can play stuff on. So... This is interesting because he is the he's the CEO of the Pokemon company. So what does this mean? I assume this means they were working on a Pokemon game for the Switch and he was just against it to begin with. But they're still making one. Right? So now mm-hmm. with his support is the Pokemon game going to be any different? I don't think so. I still think they're going to try to make as much money as possible. Right. But I also but him being against it, I don't think means that they weren't making one in the past and now they are. I think they have always been working on one for the Switch. And now that he knows that it's yeah. going to make money, he'll just be like, okay, now I'm sitting pretty. Yeah, I mean, I think Pokemon has a partnership with Nintendo. So they're probably required to make Pokemon games for them. I don't know how their relationship works. Because Pokemon Company is different from Nintendo. Yeah, it's not It's not Nintendo. And itself. it's not Niantic, as we learned when we did our Pokemon Go coverage, and Nintendo stock rose 25% and then fell a little bit, once yeah. people realized that. Yeah. But. Yeah, you know, I uh, I think a lot of times when I, when I hear, like, game company CEOs talk, I just, I just think, like, do you know gamers at all? <laughs> Like, his judgment about, like, mobile gaming. Like, I don't know many gamers who are all about mobile gaming. Like, mobile gaming is just, like, I'm going to pass the time because I'm bored. Yeah, but if I'm I had... Like not at home playing video games. But if I had, like, Pokemon Red or Ruby on my phone... Yeah. I wouldn't need it. Like, that would be the game I would play. If it... You would choose playing Pokemon Red or Green on your phone? Yeah. Over playing it on a Switch? overplaying it on like a ds or something i always have my phone with me i hate emulators on my phone i'm not talking about em- i'm if they made a game yeah like because that's kind of what he was saying he's like i don't understand why we would make a game for this console that people are gonna have to lug around when i could just make it for their phone and it could go on their phone nintendo has made one very good game for the phone super mario run and one very mediocre game according to me for the phone fire emblem heroes mm-hmm. fire emblem heroes is 
essentially nothing like Fire Emblem. Yeah, I don't like sad. it. I, I quit that after like two weeks. But Super Mario Run is super good. Um, and it's very similar to Mario, especially on a on a phone. On what you yeah. can do on the phone. It would be interesting if they like put resources into making a mobile game for Pokemon on their phone, even if it was like a new storyline, new location, all this other stuff. I mean, you have to play very differently. Why? Because touchscreen controls, like that's why I said an emulator sucks on a phone. Touchscreen controls are terrible for an RPG like that. No, touchscreen controls would be perfect for an RPG like that because like you're running around and yeah, it's not like an action RPG. It's slow moving. You pick the moves you want to use, which is touchscreen. It's either using it with sure. the D-pad or you're just touching it. Sure. There's only four options when you have a Pokemon battle. Fight, bag, run away, or... What's the other one? Item, switch. Yeah, bag. Switch Isn't there four? To switch. Oh, yeah. Your Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so all those options you can do just by touching. It's like Pokemon would be a great mobile game because you don't require a whole bunch. So you, the new games, you kind of move more in a analog digital more in a digital landscape where it's not just straight up and down it's more you can go 360 degrees of movement mm-hmm. but it, i mean they just made like even if they remade well i don't want them to remake red or blue but if they made an 8-bit kind of pokemon game or silver or something like that but even kind of new or maybe not even new it just made it so i could play it on my game with support from nintendo that would be incredible because moving isn't hard. The game isn't about moving. The game is about training these Pokemon, and you can do this. And you could battle over the internet that your phone is always connected to. You could trade, do all these other things. Yeah. And you don't have to carry around a 3DS or something like that. That means I could be playing this on the on the on the subway, and I'm not gonna have some finicky old woman looking at me like I'm a nerd for playing Pokemon because she won't know because I'm just playing on my phone. I'm not gonna have my 3DS out. I still think mobile gaming is a joke, and it's not real. It's not good. I've not I've not been convinced really by any game on mobile that I should spend money on it. What about your Knights of the Old Republic? I've played like twenty five minutes of that game. What you've had that game from since? Yeah, episode seven. Came exactly, out. <laughs> exactly. I've been very I've been like burned and disappointed by all the controls on all games that are on mobile device. I want a physical controller that I can con- that I feel like I actually have control of what's going on. There's a few games that are give you like an optimized control feeling with the touch screen, and yes, those are better. Um, and there are games that I play on my phone that I think are good mobile games, but to me, a mobile game will never be as good as a console game that on any device that's dedicated to gaming. Like it, it just won't. And maybe I'm close-minded with it, but I don't care. I don't know if you're close-minded. I, I don't think you've All had... my experiences have just been bad. Yeah, but I don't know if how... From me knowing you, mm-hmm. you are somewhat impulsive when it comes to things like this. So when Episode 7 came out, you had downloaded Knights of the Old Republic because yeah. you had money on your account because of Google Play Rewards. Sure. And you're like, okay, I have this money. Star mm-hmm. Wars is coming out. I'm in a Star Wars mood. I'm going to buy the Star Wars game. Sure. I don't know how much research you did into how this game plays on mobile. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some great games on mobile. Specifically, Square Enix makes a lot. Uh, one, Dragon Quest V, and all the other Dragon Quest games are perfect. Again, it's it's not an action RPG. It's just a standard RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, games that don't require a lot of fast movement, because yet yeah, movement on mobile games is difficult. Mm-hmm. Like Especially when it when you have to have like uh, an analog stick or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if the game is centered around 
strategy or like not movement but other aspects of the game where you can tap on things i think that's great dragon quest 5 is like my favorite mobile game it's also my second favorite dragon quest game but i think dragon quest 8 is also on, out on mobile i mean i've played dragon quest 1 and 2 and beaten both the games on, on your phone, my phone right but i never did that over any console game it's always like i'm going somewhere i guess i'll play this game because it's better than playing no games but to me if i had a version of it on playstation or on computer that would be way superior to the experience i had on mobile so if i just think it's like it's like okay but it's if second you, best like mobile games are always second best if you had dragon quest on dragon quest 5 you never played before I recommend sure. it highly. Sure. So let's say you took my recommendation yeah. and you said, I could either play this on my phone mm-hmm. or I could have it on my DS. Mm-hmm. Which one would you do? Well, I don't really play my DS very often. So if you ask me that between my PS4 and my phone, I, I pick PS4. That's not a fair comparison. The games on PS4 ha- are going to be leaps and bounds better than the ones on I mean, even mobile. if they looked the same. Just the controls alone, like the physical controller, that's how much I care about having a physical controller. I hate touchscreen controls. I hate it with a passion. They've never been good. They've never I've never felt in control. Everything takes longer. I don't I accidentally walked into the lava because it's hard to control exactly when you're moving. I don't think that's a fair comparison. I mean, because you can say the, that's not fair, but that is what I think and how I feel. And yeah, I think a lot of people agree with me about mobile games. Mobile games are better than nothing, but they're not even close and will never be as close to a, a dedicated <laughs> console. The I've game, got strong feelings about this. The game on my phone, which doesn't nearly have the same processing power or capabilities. Or the physical hardware. Right. Or the physical hardware of yeah. the monster system on your PS4. Yeah, sure. Is not as good as the monster system of the PS4. Uh-huh. Yeah. Obviously, or or DS, or I mean any de- any de- anything is dedicated to that. Yeah, but I'm so not asking why would a company? I'm not asking you to play Destiny Two on your phone. Right. I'm saying there are games, specifically the older games, mm-hmm. that used to be played with a Super Nintendo controller or even a PS uh, PS One controller, mm-hmm. which really is just you move and you press the X button and you press the circle button to go back. There's really only two things you need to press. Mm-hmm. Those are perfect for these. Like, and I'm not even talking about the the fast pace. Like, there's a game on PS1 called Jet Moto, which is sure. like a hover bike racer. Like, mm-hmm. that would be awful on the mobile because it's fast paced. But, there, I mean, RPGs are slow RPGs. Turn-based RPGs are great, JRPGs. Uh, the, the Go series, Hitman Go, Tomb Raider Go. Um, there's one other one I can't remember. Those are great because those are puzzle games. Those are almost made specifically for the mm-hmm. uh, the mobile devices. And also, maybe just mobile, maybe 3DS as well. Vita. But I just, that's not a fair comparison. Because it's not, the mobile games aren't supposed to, you're not supposed to choose that over a console game. You're not supposed to say, I'm going to sit here mm-hmm. and play Dragon Quest V instead of Destiny 2. I mean, my argument isn't that... Uh, mobile games should be compared directly to console games. My argument is that CEOs think that mobile games are the future of gaming, and I disagree with that completely. Because that's what he said, the Pokemon guy said. He's like, oh, well, he thought the Switch was going to be terrible because of the phone. So that's what he said. 
I think that's flawed. And I think it will always be flawed because these and the, like I've heard so many gaming CEOs be like, "Oh yeah, mobile games—they're the future of gaming." And yes, you can make money off mobile gaming, but gamers would prefer to play on console or on PC and not on mobile games. I don't know if you made that point. That's what I said at the very beginning. I don't know if you phrase it like that at the very beginning. That's what I'm saying. I think you just that said is what my argument is this yeah, whole time. But I don't know if you made that argument in the beginning. That's I, what I said. I think you're just like I, I hate it when CEOs don't know what the gamers are. That's what I said. Thing. I said that exactly. I said they don't they don't know gamers. They think mobile gaming is like the future. That's exactly what he said, and that's what I was referencing. And yeah, it's because the experience on anything that's dedicated is way better than on mobile, even if the controls are like standardized for mobile gaming. Sure, that's good, and it's better than nothing. But in the end, I'm playing on a little screen when I could be playing on a TV. Yeah, we could get the iPhone X big screen. It's not the iPhone, but the X. The, the Look, stupid X. we're arguing two different points here. We're, we have two different arguments. Going on at the same You're time. You're saying it's not fair to compare console with but mobile. I didn't know you were talking about the future video game. Of course it's well, not on mobile. you should listen Nobody anymore. Nobody thinks it's going to be on anything other than PS4 has sold like 6.63 million units yeah yeah there's a lot more iPhones out in the wild and yes Mario Ran and Fire Emblem Heroes and Candy Crush Mm -hmm. have made people billionaires and Flappy Bird and all this other stuff sure but it'll still be cool to have a Pokemon game on my phone (laughs) yeah that's fair what are we talking about here I don't know I think we got I think we got derailed good let's move forward uh Bruce Straley has left Naughty Dog. Does that mean anything to you? I don't know who Bruce is. Let me tell you why it means something. Tell me. Bruce Straley was... He, he put out a big letter about his resignation. He's been on a, like a sabbatical recently. Mm. Um, and then I think he came back and he's just like, video games are very difficult to work on. And I've been doing this for 18 years. I just want to spend time with my family. And he made this long letter of resignation. And he posted on Twitter. And Naughty Dog posted on Twitter. Bruce Straley was the 15th employee at Naughty Dog. He has been with them for 18 years. Mm. He worked on... His very first game was uh, Crash Team Racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he, he was there before they even had like a fax machine. He's been working on them for so much. He, was, he helped with Jack 2, Jack 3. He was... Uh, he works hand-in-hand with Neil Druckmann when yeah. it comes to... I know that name. You know Neil Druckmann. Uh, Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann are like the same person. They they work. Neil Druckmann does like the storyboard editing and like makes the stories. Yeah. And Bruce Straley like makes, makes the hardware happen. work for yeah. it. He makes it happen. So him resigning his position is a big deal. He now, is he moving on to something else? I think he's just. Or is he just retiring? I think he's just taking. A, I think he's retiring. He's not going to another company, as far as I know. Okay. Um, but he worked on Uncharted two with Neil. Yeah. He worked on Uncharted three. Game director. He was game director for The Last of Us. Oh. Like, oh. one of the best games of all time, he was in charge of that game. Rest this guy is... This guy's is a rock star. A rock star, a powerhouse sure. of this. In, arguably, the best first-party studio in the world, Naughty Dog. And he was the lead director in that, and he steps down. Not out of bad blood or anything, just because he's... Yeah, do, do we know why? I mean... He worked on The Last of Us, and he worked on Uncharted 4, and Uncharted 3, and Uncharted 2, and those are all huge games. And yeah. in the game industry, when you work on things like that, you work 
24-7 for, like, three years. It's really hard. And yeah. being a director, I'm sure he's just like, I want a break. <laughs> yeah. So... And he's probably made enough money at this point. Yeah. To be well, I don't, I don't know if game directors make that much money. From what I understand, they don't. Oh. But they work really hard hours for their passion projects. Yeah. As far as I know, he was kind of on sabbatical. I don't think he's worked on The Last of Us too much. I think that's mostly Neil and some other people. There's a... A writer, maybe from Game of Thrones, I'm not sure, but some writer from a TV show is working with Neil Druckmann on how to make The Last of, Last of Us 2. I think mm-hmm. Bruce went on sabbatical before The Last of Us 2 came into production and everything. I mean, this is assuming that, and I think it's a safe assumption, that there's not a lot of work done on The Last of Us 2 already. Yeah. Even though they put out that teaser trailer, yeah. I still think they're like the ground floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so him leaving, I don't think is going to affect The Last of Us 2 negatively because I don't think he started working on it. The only way it would affect him negatively is just not having his personal touch on it as would have been in the past. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's not like he's leaving, now somebody has to fill in that position yeah. and they're scrambling. It's more just he was never there. He's, he's like already... He just wasn't going to adopt that project. Right. Yeah. So that's big news. It is. He was, he was a huge head <clears throat> of Naughty Dog. If you go back and yeah. watch the credits for any of the Uncharted's or The Last of Us, he's always there. He's like the second name, yeah. if not the first. Well, we uh, definitely wish him luck because I've definitely enjoyed his work in my life, in my gaming career. Yeah, wherever he goes, whatever Hopefully, he does. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know. It would be so weird for him to like go to a different company, right? Because like, probably, how would you work with Naughty Dog, and then? Go, then go somewhere else. Go somewhere else and be like, this is not the same. Well, somebody might hire him to like fix a studio. <laughs> That'd be cool. You know? Because there are a lot of studios out there that could probably use a little bit of help. What studio do you, are you thinking? Bioware. No, they just got their guy back. Did they? Uh, I don't remember his name <clears> off the top of my head, but the guy that worked on Mass Effect 1 and 2, again, retired or went away. Yeah. And then they made 3, or maybe he worked on 1, 2, and 3, and then he went away, and then they made 4 without him. And then the head director, the lead... 4-4, like, got fired or got replaced by this other guy. And now he's back to work on Anthem and other stuff. Yeah. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so, Bioware kind of already has that. But, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I I know Neil Druckmann because he's, he. I think he's more, like, personable than Bruce. I think mm. he's more outgoing than Bruce. Bruce is kind of behind the scenes, but I don't know either one of them personally, but I could pick Neil Druckmann out of a line of people and if it was like 100 people I'm like I have no idea <laughs> if it was like three people I'm well, like I have yeah. a one in three chance yeah you get close um let's talk about it the movie yeah and then this has been a something. this has been a phenomenon a phenomenon something that I have not been a part of so I can't really speak to this much other than scary movies destroy me and make me not be able to sleep so. okay so it is a movie based on the novel by Stephen King. Uh, in the olden days, before my time of consciousness, I think. I don't know when it came out. I think it was the I late 90s. It was the 70s, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know when the first TV show, or the first... People call it a movie, but it was three like long TV episodes. Like 45 minutes. Oh, it was. So, yeah. So not technically a movie. Uh, came out. It's It, the clown, Pennywise the clown. People have seen images of him all over the place um, from the old time. They remade it into this 2017 movie, and I saw it. Um, I'm not a big fan of scary movies either. I saw it a Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. So mm-hmm. it's not like uh, the prime time to be scared by something. Sure. But I was watching it and I, it took me by surprise. 
Um, a lot of Stephen King takes me by surprise. I didn't really ex- know what to expect when I went in there. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a clown and it was based around this clown. I didn't realize there's like supernatural elements to this that I didn't realize. I just kind of thought he was like a serial killer clown. Mm-hmm. But Stephen King, of course, twists and turns. There are supernatural elements. Yeah. Uh, the movie that came out here in 2017 is actually like part one of two. Oh, really? Yeah. So the book takes place in this town called Derry, I believe. D-E-R-R-Y. Uh, let me guess. A small town with a group of boys. Because uh, it's like, isn't that a theme of Stephen King stuff? Yeah, kind of. I mean, yes, technically there's a group of boys and there's a girl too, but uh, uh, every 27 years, there's always a lot of disappearances and murders and deaths in this mm-hmm. town of Derry since like the 1800s. Okay. Um, and now we're back in that the 27 years afterwards and uh, this I don't remember any of the names of these characters because I've never read the book and I don't saw the movie but one of their younger brothers dies um, is lost he disappeared was like quote unquote kidnapped but it's in the intro so you see him die so he's not alive mm-hmm. um, so the kid kind of goes on a search for him and he brings his friends and they keep doing this for a year for a year the whole year they're looking around for this kid Pennywise the clown is the re like from what I can tell from the movie it's just like a car- incarnation of like your worst fears yeah I mean that's the theme of it it's yeah. like whatever it is that scares you that's what it is it's your fear yeah so when the older brother is looking at Pennywise the clown it's his younger brother like asking him to come help him because that's his worst fear is that he can mm. help his brother another one is like there's this Jewish boy um, there's a there's a painting of a woman in his dad's office that scares him. Mm. There's uh, like a giant spider. There's uh, I don't know a whole bunch of different things. I I guess the book is really like rated M if we're gonna mm. use a video game term or sure like really adult rated even though it's about these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a girl in this that's like she comes from a bad home mm-hmm. like a sexually abusive home. Yeah, and it's really hard to watch. I'm like oh this is awful. Yeah. Um, some other stuff like that. Like, I the movie itself, I thought was yeah, I thought it was all right. Like, it's breaking records left and right, which is kind of why I went to see it because I'm like, it's kind of scary. I don't know if there are really that many jump scares, which is kind of the quintessential way to make a movie scary is to give a jump scare every now and then. Yeah. There were a few. It was just like twisted the whole movie. It was twisted. Um, and when I was first watching it, halfway through the movie, I'm thinking to myself like, there's really not a lot of jump scares that make this movie scary it must be like a psychological thing where I'm gonna go go home and think about this movie and not be able to sleep yeah but then as soon as the movie was over I'm just kinda like okay like okay that was a movie it didn't really affect me sure one way or another I'm not afraid of clowns like it seems like 95% of the population is mm-hmm. um I liked it enough it, it's part one of two mm-hmm. I guess in the book all this stuff happens 20 and when they're young and all the kids get together and they defeat this quote-unquote evil, and then 27 years later, when they're all adults, it comes back. So that's going to be part two is when they're all adults. Yeah. Um, the The weird thing is this movie came out, oh, this movie came out 27 years after the original one came out in 1990. Yeah. So that's when it came out. So yeah, it was before I was born. Um, so it's kind of interesting how they played it like that. Uh, hmm. I think the movie itself was really good. They're pretty good CGI. Um as far as storytelling goes, like you kind of just follow Stephen King. I mean, there's a book to go along with. There's a lot of stuff that they took out of the book that wasn't appropriate for for a movie for a movie yeah. specifically. Like, 
uh, a lot of the sexual stuff that happens with the kids. Sure. Because it because that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> Uh, Stephen King was quoted where a lot of people were asking like why is there so much sex stuff that happens to these kids like I guess in in the in the book there is there is a group of kids and they all have sexual relations at the end of the movie at the end of the book well technically in the middle of the book because they're all kids yeah and like the the movie is based around children being abducted and horribly murdered and Stephen King keeps getting questions like why did you put the sex scene in the book why did you do this why did you do that mm-hmm. he's like it's weird that you guys are so interested in that and not the amount of child murders and how violent it is. Like maybe that says something about society, um, which I thought was interesting that he said that, mm-hmm. and I thought that was an interesting take too. But as far as the movie goes, it's breaking records left and right, and one of them hurts me dearly because I contributed to this. I know you did, and you admitted this before that we started even started the podcast. Yeah, you admitted to this, so this is real, guys. Okay, uh, so ba ba ba. The R, this is from Variety.com. Uh, the R-rated horror film made a whopping $123 million from 4,100 locations as of Monday morning, or as of Monday morning. On Sunday, the studio gave a more cautious estimate of uh, $117 million, so they made about $5 million on Sunday night, between Sunday and Monday. Uh, da, 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 da. So, of 2017, the movie It officially has the third largest opening weekend of 2017, which puts it higher than Spider-Man: Homecoming, which, which is my fault. Which is what he, what you regret. Yeah, I regret that because Spider-Man: Homecoming, I think, was a much better film, and also <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, so Spider-Man: Homecoming made 117 million, so they made five million more than that. Also, it was a PG-13 movie. Like our movies are hard to make money at, mm-hmm. but I mean, Deadpool did it. This is doing. I think this dethroned Deadpool. Um. The only two that beat it were Beauty and the Beast and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, I guess IMAX screens for this only accounted for 6.7 million of the total. Hmm. So that's not very much. Uh, it's at an 87% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. And I guess there's a gender breakdown where reportedly 51% of female and 49% male people go to see this. So more females. And two-thirds of the audience have been over 25 years old. So, hmm. some interesting facts for you. Uh, its opening is mostly unprecedented, crushing the record for largest September debut set by Host Hotel Transylvania 2 in 2015 with $48.5 billion. Million. Million. And the biggest opening weekend ranked by a horror or supernatural film, Paranormal Activity 3, Earned fifty two point six million in two thousand eleven, so this is more than double that. Yeah. When it comes to an R rated movie launches, it falls only to Deadpool, which changed the game in twenty sixteen with a massive one hundred thirty two million opening weekend. Uh, so I guess it's still the worse than Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, this says during the weekend when Hurricane Irma or Irma threatens the huge portions of Florida and Georgia, which could dent attendance as much as five percent. So, bad, uh, bad weather affects the lower, yeah, lower states. Does. They don't want to go see movies. Also, they mentioned that NFL Sunday was on Sunday. Yeah, it's true. So it was like the first Sunday too. Now, uh, Deadpool came out on Valentine's Day, which I think was a Thursday. And I don't know how much no, football would have been over by then too. So the Sunday of Deadpool's weekend was not taken over by football. It was actually like one or two weekends after the. 
after the Super Bowl, so people are like, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. So go see Deadpool. So it'll be interesting to see what would happen if they came out at the same time. Yeah. But it's not really a Christmas music. Or, uh, a Valentine's Day yeah. type movie. Mm. Uh, everything else is just more specific stuff, but I just want to talk about it. Um, yeah, sure. It, I mean, it was all right. I would, I would watch part two, I guess. Um, I've heard my whole life that it is like the scariest movie you're ever going to see. I know. That's what I, I mean, that's my impression of why I didn't want to go see it. Yeah. I, I wasn't all that scared. Um, there are, oh my gosh, there are, I wanted to talk about this, I just remembered. In movies and TV shows, when there is something that happens, like bullying, mm-hmm. and it's too close to being real, or it could be real, mm-hmm. that hits me the worst. Mm-hmm. I, like, I hate watching stuff like that. In the OA, which is a Netflix show, mm-hmm. I've talked about this before, um, the first episode, there is this, there's this boy in high school who can sing really well he's going to like state for choir like that that's what he's gonna make his career out of there's mm-hmm. this bully um that goes around and the, the choir boy is real nice to him um and the bully is like okay i kind of feel nice being around this guy and then for some reason the bully just like changes his mind all of a sudden towards the end of the episode and right before the choir boy goes to like his state contest the bully punches him in the throat and i watched that and i literally have not watched another episode of that show because i can't like can't do it. I, I, I hate that because it's too real and I'm like, you just affected that guy's life. Like, that affects me more than just, like, gratuitous violence. Yeah. Um, in the movie It, there's a scene where, I think his name is Ben, he's, uh, he's kind of, he's a new kid in town mm-hmm. and there's also bullies in this town of Derry. Um, man, it is gruesome. They, like, chase him down and start bullying him and one of the kids is, like, m- mental. He is crazy. And later on, you kind of find out he comes from a bad home, but that's no excuse to right. where he literally starts carving his name into this boy's stomach with a knife. Ugh. And you see it on screen. That's terrible. He eventually gets away before he can finish like a letter or anything but like that. I'm like, that's too real. Like, yeah. I do not want to see that. Yeah. So that that's the big takeaway I got from it was like that bullying scene. I was like, ugh. I yeah, like I, I hate that type of stuff. I hate like torture things. <sighs> Like, warfare is, like, warfare sucks, and it's terrible. It's part of the human condition, and it has been for a long time. Torture, also been around for a long time, but it's that idea that, like, you can't fight back, and it's oh, just yeah. like you're at the mercy of somebody else. Like, I hate that. Well, even torture, I don't even care that much about. Like, if I went and saw, like, the Saw films, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm getting into. Mm-hmm. But when I went into it, I didn't know what to expect at all. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I saw this, I, I guess you could call it a torture scene, I was like, I was not ready for that. Yeah, sure. And I felt so bad for the kid. Dang. <sighs> All right. Lastly. Destiny. Lastly and forevermore. Destiny 2. Man. I love this game. <laughs> Stupid amount right now. Uh, you put on here shaders. Something about D2 shaders. Have you heard about all the controversy about Destiny 2 shaders? I mean, to me, I've heard that this is the biggest complaint against the game right now for a lot of people is the shaders uh they're consumable as opposed to just being there in destiny one you could find a shader and then you always had the shader and you could just apply it and it would automatically go on all of your gear yeah um and so it was like very easy to customize your dude to look or lady uh how you wanted them to look uh in this game they are consumable and there is a, a vendor in the game you can go to and you can spend a currency called silver on which these cosmetic money. items, mm-hmm. which you can you can get silver by buying silver with U.S. dollars with, with money. 
So, with, like, actual money. So, people are upset. Prussian francs. Yeah. People are upset that you have to pay money, essentially, to get these uh, shaders. Well, you can pay money to get them. You also get them in-game. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you can get them from Ingrams uh, every time you level up, which, after you hit level 20, you still get experience, and that experience, hit, once you fill up the bar, you get an Ingram. That is all cosmetic, basically. Uh, you can get, like... Yeah, basically everything is cosmetic because it's like the your ship and your speeder both are cosmetic mostly. Like, there's that, um, and even like you can get armor and stuff too, and ornaments for your weapons. But again, it's cosmetic. It's not pay to win, which, like, as long as it's not pay to win, to me it's like, whatever. I don't really care that much. Yeah, but at the test Everest, which is Eververse, yeah, you can use real money to buy weapon mods. That you can put on weapons. Mm. So like those legendary mods and stuff, you can use those to put on weapons. That can't affect PvP. It doesn't affect PvE that much. So some people were saying like this is P- play to or pay to win because you can affect it this way. Yeah. Um, there were, I listened to another podcast, kind of funny games daily. It's a daily podcast about video game news. And for mm. like a week and a half straight, they just had questions and questions and talked about how this Destiny shader thing is like the worst thing in the world. Mm. Like. You get these shaders and they're consumable, so you have so you can use it and then you don't get it back. But plus, you can pay real money to get them. Except when you pay money, you get it in like a loot box, so you don't know which shader you're gonna get. So you might pay real money and not get the shader you want, or pay real money get the shader you want and then put that shader on a weapon that you have, mm-hmm. and then no longer use that weapon because it gets outclassed by something. So yeah. now you have paid money to put a shader on something, and now you can't ever have that shader again because it's consumable. Right. And the there's a lot of just a lot of people fighting about shaders being consumable, but also people paying money to get these shaders that are not consumable. So I was thinking in my head, like maybe it's just a combination of two two things that don't mean anything just put together that made this thing blow up and blow up ecstatically. So like mm-hmm. Destiny shaders themselves. Being consumable. Okay, that's a game design choice. That's fine. You don't have to worry about that. Um, it's just part of the game. Like that's what you have to live with. So yeah. that's that's one of the things. If that if that's all that was in Destiny, people would be like, whatever. And eh. And then on the other side, paying money for this stuff and making it go away, or just paying money and getting some like advantage out of it is another thing. But I, I don't know. I, essentially, what I'm trying to say is if you combine the two, it makes it a bigger problem. But if you take them separately, it's not, not, not a problem at all. So I think it's just like people at Bungie were saying, okay, we are going to make shaders now consumable. So it encourages people to go and do the raids and do the strikes to get more to get more shaders. Okay, that's good. Luke Smith, director, is like, yeah, that's good. Activision comes in and says, okay, we need a way to make money. We are now going to put a price tag on these shaders. And you guys can't do anything about it. So I think Bungie had the core idea first, which was in good goodwill or whatever. Right. And then Activision came by and kind of messed it up. Wanted to make more money off it. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily anyone's fault. I think shaders and everything being consumable is just fine. Um, and I think Activision wanting to make money is just fine too. I think it's just when they came together in that specific way, I think it, I think it blew up. And I think too that no matter what you do, like people are going to complain um, about something. And I don't want to invalidate the complaint because, like, I can understand you could be upset by that. Um, but I still think overall, like, if this is the complaint we have, then Destiny 2 is a pretty good game. Because, like, we could be complaining right now about, like... Servers! 
servers are terrible, which there has been a little bit of like server problems and there's been a few like errors, but they're working on it. Um, but like, we're not, we're not complaining like, oh my gosh, there's like nothing to do anymore. Right. Like in destiny one, we got a weekend and we were like, man, what is there to do? Like, I still feel like there's a lot of stuff to do in the game, um, that I, that I can be working on. And there's a lot of variety in what I can do weekly yeah. as they do their weekly updates. Um, I mean, they haven't been introduced back in like the factions, right, and all those. That's true. We had to get all that stuff, and that's that's coming. I think that it was on that monthly picture they said that's coming up. Um, I mean, the raid just dropped. I mean, there's there's just like so much to do in this game, and I think the overall playing of the game is good. And we're mad about cosmetics, and I think it's and again, I don't want to invalidate that people are upset about it because like it's okay to be upset about the cosmetics and paying for them and all that. Um, but I think to keep things in perspective. I think we have a good game. Faction Rally begins this Tuesday, 9-26. There you go. Um, I don't know. What else about Destiny? We played Trials of the Nine last night. We did. We did some Trials of the Nine. Um, some spoilers about the Spire if you want to know about it or kind of how the Trials of the Nine works. So to, to be able to do Trials of the Nine, you have to do the Milestone called arms which yep took us a little while last night because i was the only person who hadn't finished it big surprise which is weird because you you have played crucible i know with you guys a lot i know so i don't know why it didn't work but it did we got there and we went to trials of nine first round we played got completely destroyed by this other team second round one of their players dropped out so it was 4v3 and we destroyed them yeah and then the second or the third round i believe we won the third round too uh, we lost the third round. Oh, we did? Yeah, because the first loss doesn't count if it's your first time in Trials of the Nine, which it was. Yeah, yeah. So we have one win and one loss. Although we had two wins and one loss. I don't think so. I think we only played three games. Okay. I don't know. Either way, we've had know. we've had different versions of success. And no, we've had two wins because we had eight coins. Yeah. You get four coins. So win. you go... So the Trials of the Nine is like... The Nine are like these deity type people. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. Zur. Yeah. Zur is like an agent of the Nine. Yeah. Um, and after you do the trials, you get to go to the Spire, which is like this place of the nine. Like, to me, it's all like very like mythologically based, this whole part it's of it. It's not the same map as the as the map we played Crucible on, is it? No. Well, I thought it might have been. It's like similar vibe. Similar feel. Uh, like, you go there and it's like snow. Huh? And there's, like, nothing except for there's this giant spire in front of you with, like, there's, like, these two platforms, which I don't know how to get to, and then this, like, moving structure around the spire, and then there's a dude and a launch pad, and that's it. Okay. And I went to the dude, and that's where you can turn in your tokens for rep, which is, you can farm, apparently you can just farm ingrams from the trials. I mean, it's like you, what it's. You have to win to get an Ingram. It's competitive yeah, playlist. Yeah. It's competitive. Like you, like you gotta get it. See, I don't know what happens after you lose three times. Is I think that, you can you can't go back play... in as many times as you want, or you can only do it once per weekend. I mean, I can go back to play trials now, even though I've been to the spire because it, it still said it was an option. Yeah, but you haven't lost three times. That's true. I don't know how that works either. I think we just gotta figure it out. Like my guess is that you just can't play trials anymore. You can turn in your tokens, and then that's it. I don't know. But it could be that once you have three, you can't go to the spire. That could be a thing. Three losses? Yeah. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think they'd do that, but maybe they will. I know with Destiny 1, Trials of Osiris, 
you, if you got nine wins and zero losses or one loss or two loss, yeah, um, you would get better rewards at the lighthouse. I I did learn that if you won every single game of trials, yeah. which a streamer did with the squad, uh-huh. you get a special reward. Oh yeah. I don't know if we're ever gonna do that. I don't think we're ever gonna do that. <laughs> Not with the Not with me. We play with. Not with me. Though I would say, in except for that very last round, I was the most efficient. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're just gonna leave that where it is. <laughs> uh, what else about Destiny Two? We're gonna do the raid. We're gonna do the raid. Hopefully, this. this weekend before, and hopefully, be able to do it. We've not looked up anything. I haven't. I you haven't. haven't. And I don't think anybody else has. Here's the thing about Destiny that I think people need to know. Because I just did this last night and I raised like 10 light levels. If you have the weekly quests like Flashpoint from Cade, Mm -hmm. or if you have tokens to turn in, or you have all this other stuff, wait until later on in the week after you've done the Nightfall, after you've leveled up. Because once you turn those in, the, the rewards for those Ingrams will be much higher than, than if not. Because the, the Ingram rewards that you get uh, start, like they generate as soon as you talk to that person. So as soon as you talk to Kate about the Flashpoint. So the Flashpoint was like the first thing I did on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I was at light level like 265. But I didn't go back and talk to Kate until last night, which was days afterwards. The reward that he gave me was a 289 light level, which turned into like a 290 exotic helmet. That's awesome. So now my light level is like... 287 mm-hmm. and i've raised my light by like i raised my light maybe 10 points before i talked to him and then once i talked to him and i talked to zavala and hawthorne and all these other people for my clan rewards and yeah. crucible rewards and the gunsmith and all this other stuff they all gave me higher and higher light level stuff so save those quests until later on in the week when you have better gear because it's all based on your gear mm-hmm. um as opposed to like going straight there i i was talking to justin earlier I have 100 coins for Earth, and I have 100 coins for Nessus. Nessus. Yeah. And as soon as I plug and chug all those in, I'm going to start getting Ingrams that are huge. 289 ICM Ingrams. Yeah. I'm not even at... I haven't even done the raid yet. You can max. You can get above light level 300 by doing the raid. Um, but I haven't even touched it yet, and I'm already at almost 290. Yeah, I'm at 289. No, 279. I'm like one away from being able to buy those mods. You can buy the mods, and then... I have equipment that don't have mods on them, I think. Yeah. So I could throw a mod in there and raise it up yeah, five raise points. it up five more, yeah. yeah. Which could be significant to help you jump. You yeah. Know? Especially if you have like a bunch of gear that's unmodded mm-hmm. and then you just get a bunch of light. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm i loving the game. Nightfall Strike this week is the easier. Inverted Spire. Easier than last week's, I'd say. Yes, definitely. Um, last week's was hard. But, I mean, after you do it the first time, you get less rewards, right? It's just, like, the first time you do it, you get the biggest... Reward. Per character, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the first time you do it, you get all the Vanguard tokens and mm-hmm. all the gear and stuff. You do it again, yeah. you don't. You get Vanguard tokens just for completing it, like, a strike, I think. But yeah. you also get the Rat Pack if you beat it with five minutes left. Uh, here's a fun thing. Okay. If you're out there and you're playing Destiny 2 and you're loving our podcast, and you're like, man, I'm playing by myself. I wish I had a clan. Guess what? We got the clan for you. Underpaid Gamers Clan! Underpaid Gamers, search for us. We're open membership. We'd love to have you guys. Uh, yeah. We so, have six people right now, but... Oh, don't we have more than that? Because we had uh, me, you, 
Tim Fox with an H. Uh, we have now Lucas Avareth. Yeah. We have Poner Dude. Poner. Poner Dude. And Robbie. And then, yeah. I guess seven. So and, one more than six. And Vin Callis. Oh, okay. We have eight. We have eight. So we've, du- we've doubled our numbers in a week. 92 spots left open. So 92 spots left open if you'd like to join. We're open. So here's the thing. If you're in a clan, you can... You gain, you garner clan XP, and then the more XP the clan gets, the more rewards they get, and you get weekly rewards for doing the nightfall, and you get weekly rewards for doing crucible and the raid and trials of the nine, mm. um, for the clan. So you go to Hawthorne, you get an Ingram for her. Sure. Um, so even if you don't want to play with anybody, just join a clan, specifically our clan, and yeah. you get those rewards. Because once you get the the clan to level two, um, then you get other benefits, and it goes up and up and up and up like that. Um, and the easiest way to level up is to have more people in the clan. Yeah. Because you, you, you can only make so much... Uh, XP per character on per your character account. Per week. Yeah. yeah. So, to me, like, my number one thing right now is just I want to get my Warlock to max level. But after all the milestones and everything, it like it gets difficult. And then once you max out your clan XP, it's like, again, limiting what your character actually contributes to overall progress. So right now, I'm like, once I do all my milestones and max up my clan XP, I'm trying to switch to my next character, get him level 20, and then get his light level up too, to get, like, trying to keep in mind the 5,000 limit on XP. Yeah. For the clan. So, essentially, if you get all three characters up to level 50, or to 20, and then you start getting into, like, the post-game stuff, you can contribute 15,000 XP to the clan. That's right. So. Word. There it is. I, I mean, that's all I got. Do you got anything, anything else? That's all I have for right now. All right, cool. Well, if we've you, been posting videos on YouTube from Destiny, yeah, I, I, you've been doing a good job of that. Proud of you. We got more subscribers. Do we? Yeah. From it, I posted a video on how to find Zer, even though he's on your map. But I didn't know he was on my map. Yeah, I didn't know either. I was like, where? I was like running around the tower. I was like, where is he? I was like trying to see if there were groups of people, like just huddled somewhere. Yeah, and I had to Google it. I was mm-hmm. like, where's Zer? Well, now you just go to YouTube. And then it said Nessus. Yeah. It's weird that he's on Nessus. Anyway, that's it. That's all we got. That's it. Thanks for for listening, guys. Uh, If you'd like, we would appreciate it. If you'd uh, follow us on all our accounts, uh, social media, Twitter, at UPGamersPodcast. Uh, If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, letters, you want to write us, underpaidgamerspodcast at gmail.com is a good place to send it for us to read it and see it. And maybe comment on it in an episode, which we've done before. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation of this episode, you can comment if you're on SoundCloud. Or if you'd like to join the bigger conversation, go to Twitter at UPGamersPodcast at Gmail. No, UPGamersPodcast uh, at. Uh, please rate us on Apple's iTunes. iTunes, that'd be useful to us. It'd help us out, get us more notoriety on iTunes. Uh, if you're on Stitcher or any other podcast service, Give us a like on there, too. Give us five stars. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and share us with your friends. And if you play Destiny 2, join our clan. Underpaid Gamers. It's a lot of stuff to do. You guys got better to get on it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> we appreciate you guys. Hope We hope you enjoy our content. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate the people that have listened for an hour to us talk. Yeah. Which is just a few of you. I really appreciate <laughs> the people that have listened... And did not turn it off once you fell asleep after Justin was talking about Star Wars and planets. Look, some people love Star Wars, okay? (laughs) Let's not put them in a box. Okay.
Yep. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye.